wonderful, wonderful congregation. I always look forward to going there and meeting them here tonight. And we're just going to have a wonderful time. I want you to open your heart and give him a warm welcome as he comes to minister the word of God. Praise the Lord, man. It's good to be here. Numbers chapter 22. Numbers 22. Just one verse tonight, verse number 6. I was reading an article in the paper, uh, it was probably about a year and a half ago, and it was about this cursing stone in a city called Carlisle in Glasgow, Scotland. This is up north in England. And as I was reading about this stone, it, it had like a picture stone shaped like an egg and it had all these words engraved and these words were actually curses and so in 1525 the Archbishop of Glasgow Gavin Dunbar pronounced a curse upon the people of Carlisle City and some of the words that were engraved upon this this stone or this cursing stone I kind of wrote some of them down it says I curse their head and all the hairs of their head. I curse their face, their brain, their innermost thoughts, their mouth, their nose, their tongue, their teeth, their forehead, their shoulders, their breast, their heart, their stomach, their back, their womb, their arms, their legs, their hands, their feet. And every part of their body, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, before and behind, within and without. I curse them going, I curse them riding, I curse them standing, I curse them sitting, I curse them eating, I curse them drinking, I curse them rising, I curse them lying, I curse them at home, I curse them away from home, I curse them from within the house, I curse them outside the house, I curse their wives, their children, and their servants who participate in their deeds. I bring ill wishes upon their crops, their cattle, their wool, their sheep, their horses, their swine, their geese, their hens, and all their livestock. May all the curses ever known since the beginning of the world to this hour light upon them. May the evil that fell upon cursed Cain fall on them. Then he begins to pronounce the curses of Egypt upon the people of Carlisle. And he starts to pull out tragic things out of history and begins to pronounce it upon them. And finally, he says, and I, I condemn them perpetually to a deep pit of hell, there to remain with Lucifer and all his followers and their bodies to the gallows of Burmore, first to be hanged, then ripped and torn by dogs, swine, and other wild beasts abominable to all the world. And when I read that, and I was reading at the, the end of the article, it was talking about how many of the people of Carlisle City started evacuating the city. And I wasn't actually quite surprised because they said even their football team hadn't won a single match. And they thought even the football team was cursed. I don't blame the people of Carlisle. I read another story. It was about a will that Mr. O'Donohoe had, or Mr. Donahoe rather, had pronounced a curse upon his two daughters. And he says, unto my two daughters, France Marie 
and Denise Victoria by reason of their treacherous attitude towards a doting father. I leave the sum of one dollar to each and a father's curse. May their lives be fraught with misery, unhappiness, and poignant sorrow. May their deaths be soon and of a lingering, malignant, and torturous nature. May their souls rest in hell and suffer the torments of the condemned for eternity. Many people feel that they are cursed. It's beginning to affect the very detail and the direction of their life. However, the Bible gives us great insight and direction and wisdom on this on the subject of curses. And tonight I want to talk to you about curses for the next few moments. And we're going to pray that curses can be broken and that the spell can be lifted in the name of Jesus. I want you to read just one verse of Scripture, very familiar story. I haven't got time to, to kind of go back in time. But verse 6 where the Bible says, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. For they are too mighty for me, peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land. For I want that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursed is cursed. Tonight, Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit, God, to move in this service and touch lives. God, break every spell, every hex, every curse that would seek to come upon the people of God in the house of the Lord. God, we declare liberty and freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we pray, have your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, we must understand the reality of curses. Curses are real. In the book of Deuteronomy 28, the Bible gives us a list of blessings and curses. Obedience or disobedience is the determining factor between blessing and cursing, between sickness and health, or success and failure. We know that curses can be inherited. The Bible tells us uh, in the book of Deuteronomy 23 and verse number 2, he speaks of a Jewish father who is married to a heathen woman. Their child is an outcast and cannot enter into the congregation of the Lord for ten generations. This is a generation curse. We know that curses are pronounced upon individuals. Curses are pronounced upon families. And sometimes curses are pronounced upon entire nations. And I want to speak to you this evening and tell you tonight that curses do come from a spiritual realm or a spiritual dimension. I know that there are many who believe in superstition. I don't believe in superstition tonight. People tell you don't walk under a ladder. You will be cursed. When someone's lying down, don't step over them. You will be cursed. I even had somebody who told me the other day, said that if you eat too much chicken butt, you'll start talking too much. A, late, oh, yeah. a lady in my church came to me a few months back, uh, and she said, Pastor, Pastor, she said, I, I had this dream last night. She said, what does it mean? I said, what was the dream? She said, I had a dream that three of my teeth on one side of my mouth fell out. She said, Pastor, what does it mean? I said, what it means, sweetheart, is that you ate too much popcorn last night, uh, and you need to stop. stop. <laughs> because, see, what we find is people think superstition is a curse. 
Curses come from the spiritual realm. Satan, the arch enemy of humanity, and particularly the believer, and the church of Jesus Christ, uh, he hates you, he hates everything about you. Have you ever wondered why the devil hates you? I ask myself that question, why does Satan hate us so much? He hates us, we know, number one, because we are made in the very image of God. We know that he hates us because we are the crown of God's creation. After God created the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and the fish of the sea, God crowned everything he made with man, and hence the devil hates you. We know that the devil hates us because man can rise back up again. We can recover from failure and from the fall. For a just man falls seven times and he rises back up again. But Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And when Satan fell, he was never able to recover himself again. And I understand why he launches attacks at the people of God, the house of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Satan hates you, and he will use anything that he can to bring about your demise. And as I talk about curses, we must realize that curses come into people's homes and people's lives through very many avenues. I haven't got time to exhaust these avenues, but one of them is words. Pastor Warner talked this morning about how words feed the soul. Likewise, words can be a, a source of cursing and demise upon people's lives. Uh, the Bible tells us in the book of James 3 and verse number 8 and 9, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men. We understand that we can bless people with our words or we can curse them with our words. A lady had said to me, it was about a year ago, that she uh, she's actually in her 40s now, but, but about a year ago she was telling me that she has all this fear. She's dominated and controlled by fear. And so she began to tell me that when she was 18, she went to visit a, a, a tarot card, one of those, uh, uh, those uh, the necromancers or uh, those people who read crystal balls. And they, they're palm readers. And she, they're reading this woman's hand. And they looked at her hand, and they looked at the lines on her hand, and said, you know, uh, uh, you're, you're not going to live long. You're going to die young. And from the age of 18 to the age of 42, she is tormented and controlled by fear. She is setting money aside that would take care of her kids when she's gone. She told me last year, Pastor, I know I'm going to die young. I know I'm going to die she leaves a Bible in her glove box, in her car, that when she drives, she's so afraid that she'll have an accident and lose her life. And she has a Bible as a good luck charm. God help us tonight. This is how fear can curse people. This is how fear can begin to enter in through words that are spoken. And we understand why the psalmist said in 141 and verse number 3, he says, set a watch over my mouth. And he speaks about this, this door that must be shut 
when it comes to the words that come from our mouths, we must choose very carefully our words. That's why you ought never to say to somebody, I hate you. I regret that you were born. I wish I never knew you. These are words that can go deep down into the soul of a man and corrupt them and affect them even for all of their life. This is why many adults today still suffer from the memories of words that were spoken into their life when they were young kids. Words have the ability to curse. We understand that curses can come through occultic involvement. In other words, when people begin to play with the occult and the paranormal, it opens up doors for the enemy to invade your life and bring a curse upon you. You read uh, all these various stories uh, in the Bible. You read about Saul, how he sealed his fate by just one visit to the witch of Endor. I was reading uh, uh, about what happened at the Salem uh, witch trials in 1692. You read about uh, how this uh, this Puritan uh, preacher how he had opened up his home. It's quite ironic because he's, he's a, a Puritan preacher, uh, Samuel Paris. He has his daughter Elizabeth, her cousin, uh, I think her name was, uh, was, was Abigail, and they had a household slave called Tichaba. This isn't a preacher's house. They make this crystal ball, and uh, they pour this water into this glass, and they break an egg. And they begin to speak words over this, this crystal ball as to what they want to have in life or what they would like to see. And one of them was dreaming, oh, for his, the, her Prince Charming, uh, she wants to get married uh, to a tall, dark, handsome man. Uh, and as they're looking into the glass, all of a sudden they saw a coffin. After this apparition of death, they begin to convulse. They fell on the floor and they're shaking and no doubt there's demonic involvement here. And over the next course of days, a a number of girls, I think about seven to nine other girls in the neighborhood, begin to convulse and have the same experience and something was cut loose in Salem. And when they began the witch trials, anybody that they suspected to be a witch was hauled in and hanged. I think they hanged about 19 of these witches. This is what happens when people play and mess around with the occult. Idolatry can bring curses upon people. You read about how the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, out of bondage, after 430 years of being enslaved to Pharaoh's whip, and how when they had come out, they began to complain. And as they complained, God released serpents to come into the camp, begin to kill them, bite them, poison them. One by one, they begin to drop down. They cried out to Moses, and Moses cried out to the Lord. And God says, you need to take some brass, make a brazen serpent, put it up on a pole and lift it up. Then anybody that gets bitten, if they were to look up at the pole, they'd be healed. And when they did that, you read how when Moses died, they took this serpent, this brazen serpent, they made an idol out of it, they gave it a name, they called it Nehushtan, and they began to worship it, and it became a snare to the people of God. This is what happens when people bring idolatrous images into their own home. It brings a curse in 1 Corinthians ten nineteen, where the Bible says, What say I then, the idol is anything, or that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the thing which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. 
he's basically telling us that the, 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 the idol or the image is not really demonic in of itself, but when you begin to worship that, it attracts demonic power. Demonic power comes and begins to take control, and now you begin to fellowship with demon spirits. This is why God said when you defeat the heathen nations, don't take their silver or gold or their graven images. Deuteronomy 7.25, he says it becomes a snare to you. Years back when I was pioneering in Bristol City, Southwest England, I remember I got a phone call from a, a white English lady. She had married a man from Togo, this black African man, and uh, she was having problems at home. She called me late that, that night, said, Pastor, you need to come over. She said, the same time every night, uh, she said, this anger, this rage comes over me. I can't control myself. I begin to break things in the house. I've got this hatred towards my husband. Uh, she said, I don't know what it is. I turned up at the home. I begin to ask them some questions. Uh, they told me that they had gotten married in Togo and that this, her, uh, her husband's father, this is her father-in-law, it was actually a witch doctor, a warlock. And this man had pronounced uh, certain things and incantations over their life uh, as he joins them to get together in holy matrimony. So she said that he had given uh, her some things, some medallions and, and charms and chains and all kinds of uh, paraphernalia. And she brings all this stuff out in a bag. I didn't even sit through it. We just opened up uh, the, you know, the trash can and just threw everything away. I prayed for them. And from that night on, uh, they never had that experience ever again uh, because it opened Opens up a door. This is why the Bible says in the book of Exodus 20 and verse number 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image in, in the likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that's on earth beneath or, or that is under the water or in the earth or under the water or under the earth rather. And what he says is that anything that is in heaven, we ought not to make images of it here on earth. We know that Jesus is in heaven. We know that angels are in heaven. We know that the saints that have died and gone before us, they are in heaven. We've got no business, church, making images and statues of things that are in heaven, things that are on earth, things that are in the water or beneath the earth. God says it brings a snare, it brings a curse upon people. That's why I thank the Lord. I don't need a crucifix to remind me about what Jesus did for me 2,000 years ago. And by the way, Jesus rose from the dead. He's no longer on the cross. People want to carry crosses. They want to put it up on their bedpost. They've got pictures and statues of Jesus and the saints. They've got chains with all kinds of crucifixes. They've got earrings with crucifixes. They've got belts with crucifixes. And they think that it's some holy thing that's going to protect them from the devil and from the enemy. I'm here to tell you that I Idolatry will curse you. People always wonder why they've got certain problems and sicknesses that will never get healed. Uh, where uh, ordinary medicine should be able to be a remedy for your problem. But many times people are bound and they're gripped by curses that they themselves have brought upon themselves through their idolatrous practices. I don't even have to say much. About this, but I'm gonna say this. You gotta be very careful about what people give you, what you take from people. You might not have African back, and I know a lot of people, you're from America, you live here, you don't, a lot of people think, you know, we don't really believe in all this, 
you know, this, 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 all this is mumbo jumbo talking about curses and, 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 and medallions and, and witchcraft. And no, we don't believe in that. Well, listen, all you got to do is go down to Haiti, go down to India, go down to Nigeria, Ghana, Jamaica, and you'll find out uh, that witchcraft, sorcery, obia man, juju man, warlocks, and witches are real. And you got to be very careful. Those of you who perhaps have are, are, are native Indians, maybe uh, you, your background. I don't know where you might be from. Uh, and p- your great grandmother handed something down to your grandmother, who gave it to your mother, and now they gave it to you. And you're wearing it around your waist, uh, thinking, "Oh, this is just in memory of my great great grandmother." You know who got it from her great great grandmother, and you don't even know what that thing represents. Got to be very careful what people give me. I was, I, I, I remember a brother had traveled to Nigeria some time back, and when he got back, he, he brought this thing, you know, he came to my office and said, Pastor, I got a gift for you. And so he, he brings this, it's a calabash. Do you know what a calabash is? He has this calabash, and he hands it to me. It's got these patterns on it. And when I looked at it, immediately I recognized it as being something that juju men use. I say, you know what, brother? I'm not even going to be diplomatic about this. This is not coming into my house. I'm sorry if that breaks your heart, but I'm not going to let anybody bring anything into my home that's going to curse me. There are Christian families that bring things into their own home that end up cursing their children, cursing their marriage, cursing their home. And the Bible says the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the habitation of the just. Curses come in if you open up a door and allow certain things to come into your life and to come into your house. And God says it better not be idolatrous. I don't even have to say much about sexual immorality. We know that sexual sin will bring curses upon people. There's so many various different things that bring curses. But when people play with sexual sin and sexual immorality, it opens up the door to the demonic realm. I'll tell you what, there's definitely an agenda in this world today. We talk about the media being filled with propaganda, and I, I, I have to submit to that. I was just, I was walking in the mall. Matter of fact, I was, I was with Pastor Lambert he and my assistant. We're we're walking through the mall together. You know, some time back, uh, and, uh, and and as we're walking through the mall, I I, I see these male mannequins. You, you you see these these you know these figures. They dress them all up. Uh, so when you look at the clothes on them, you kind of desire that you lust after. Say, hey, let me try this on. So these I'm looking at these male mannequins, and there's something about them that doesn't look right. They look like they're almost female. I know they're male, but the way their hair is, they kind of lean with their butt sticking out a little bit like that. I said, you know, something doesn't look right here. (laughs) And I realize our world really has been plagued with a sexual curse. Where men have become emasculated. Men have become passive and indifferent. Men have even become like women. Walk like women, talk like women, even dress like women. Braid the hair, earrings in their ear. I was going to talk about the color pink, but I was going to leave that alone. 
Hey, listen, let me say something to you tonight. Anybody who practices homosexuality is demon-possessed and cursed. You must have read about Thomas Beattie in the paper. Don't know who Thomas Beattie is, don't you? Well, Thomas Beattie in the paper in England has been portrayed as the first man to get pregnant. Did you see the pictures of the man in the paper? He had his breast cut off. He's got hair on his chest now. He's got a goatee, a little beard, mustache. But I went on YouTube and I heard he was in an interview with, a, uh, what's that demon-possessed woman, Oprah Winfrey or something. See, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's there and he's, he's talking. You know, you're looking at him. He looks, it, it rather, looks like a male. But the voice is, well, I just want to Sounds like a woman. And what had happened is, Thomas Beattie was actually born a woman. Wasn't happy with his womanhood, or she wasn't happy with her womanhood, and changed herself into a man, but didn't deal with business downstairs. And so, she, you know, upstairs she dealt with stuff, but downstairs she never dealt with stuff. So, she ends up marrying a woman. She turns into a man, marries a woman. She gets pregnant. Actually, this is her second pregnancy, her first pregnancy. She was pregnant with, with triplets, but her fallopian tube was removed, and so what happened is they, they had to uh, uh, abort the babies, and her brother actually said, you know what, it's good that those babies were aborted because only God knows what kind of monsters they would have been. Because he understood that this kind of activity releases curses. It was in your national newspapers. I read an account that happened in Washington, D.C. about a horse who did a sexual maneuver on a man and the man ended up dying. Did you read it in the newspaper? And people practice homosexuality. They practice bestiality. This is why we warn people all night and day against pornography. We talk about it. We preach about it. We teach on it. But yet people won't listen. You can access pornography through the internet, download it on your cell phone. You can get it even on video games. People will look in magazines and movies and they don't realize it's a curse that's being released. And when you read these stories and you see the demise of humanity, you know some door has been opened that allowed curses to come in. Reading about a man in the United Kingdom who actually fathered six kids with his own daughter. And three of those kids end up with serious disabilities and birth defects. And that's no coincidence tonight. It's a curse. Now let me, let me just kind of give you a little bit of good news here this evening because I know, you know we can talk about curses all night long, and, but, but we really need to have curses broken. You might not have a curse in your own life, but maybe you've got a family member. A friend, a neighbor, where curses are working, things that were in their parents are now in them. Or like what Pastor Warner was saying this morning, that a man grows up and says, hey, I'm my father, I'm like my father, I'm just like my daddy. And people realize that something from the past has latched on, whether it is ancestral, whether it is a family curse, it could be curses of sickness and disease. 
that were in your forefathers and it worked its way down and now it's working in you. Listen, every curse in the name of Jesus can be broken. In order to break a curse, it must be a curse. You can't break a curse if it's not a curse. We got people trying to bind all kind of curses today. You, 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 you park, hey, listen, if you park your car in a disabled bay, and you get towed away or you get clamped or you get a ticket, you ought to never stand up saying, I bind the devil. I bind the spirit of poverty that's attacking and assaulting my uh uh-uh. What you need to pray is, I bind the spirit of stupidity that caused me to park this car here. See that? So you cannot deal with a curse if it's not a curse. <laughs> Listen. On the South Pacific Island of Fiji in 1867, Thomas Baker, who was a missionary, had traveled there to minister to the Fijians. And as he hit the island, they captured this man, they clubbed him to death, cooked him, and then they ate him. In the year 2003, the chief of Nabutautau, this is, this is a town there in Fiji, the chief of Nabutautau flies to the United Kingdom, and in one of our national newspapers, he said these words. He said, we believe we must be cursed. He said, when we, have, uh, uh, when we, we must apologize for what happened, and when we have made apologies, we can be clean again. And what this man, uh, this chief of Nabutautau was saying is that, you know what, uh, some things have been released in our town and we know it's got to be related to this man, Thomas Baker, this innocent missionary that came to bring good news to us. So he flies to the United Kingdom and makes a public apology. He seeks out the family of uh, uh, Thomas Baker and makes an apology to them in person. Uh, And he is waiting uh, for the curses of his town to be lifted. I'm here to tell you tonight, in order for a curse to be broken, there's got to be genuine biblical repentance. Not the sorrow of the world. The sorrow of the world is simply being sorry for what has happened. You're sorry for how things turned out in your life. Do you know there are many people that come to an altar and they even cry tears. And you'll think, oh, they're being converted. The Spirit of God is moving on them. But you know many times people are simply sorry for how things turned out. Not because they have hurt God. And so when we come to God in repentance, it must be genuine repentance. It's got to be godly sorrow. Where we're sorry for hurting God and breaking His command. And then God can deal with the curse in our lives. Can I tell you the only remedy for a curse is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, cursed is he that hangs on a tree. Jesus hung and died there for you and I, that he could bear the curse of our lives. You don't have to be a victim of curses anymore, because Jesus already paid the full price. I had a a, a young man who called me not too long ago. He, he, He said, Pastor, He said, I need you to pray for me. I said, what is the problem? He said, listen. He said, I'm cursed. I said, how do you know you're cursed? He said, I was in a barber uh, shop the other day waiting to get my hair cut. 
as I'm sitting there on the seat, uh, he said that some of the barbers that were cutting hair looked at me and they began to speak words of incantation over my life. And he said that it brought so much fear that he ran a home as he, they had declared curses on his life. He said he got a home and he got a glass of water. He, uh, he, he uh, put some salt, sprinkled some salt into this water. Then he opened up the book of Psalms and started reading a, a number of Psalms into the water. And then he drank it. I said, why in the world did you do that? He said, I did that to break the curse. Oh, if only you knew that the only remedy for curses is Jesus Christ. You're not going to break any curse any other way but by coming to Jesus. You can try rehab all you want to. Therapy all you want to. You can go even down to see those psychiatrists and those psychologists. They can't help you like Jesus can. Jesus holds a remedy for the curses in man's life. The Bible says that this man, Balak, comes to Balaam. says, you've got to curse the people of God for me. They are too mighty. He's always looking for a way to bring the people of God down. And the Bible says, I know that who you curse will be cursed and who you bless will be blessed. But oh, may I remind you of your heritage, believers, uh, that no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. That is your heritage. The Bible says uh, that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You don't have to be afraid of curses. I know he says, uh, who you curse is cursed. Who you bless is blessed. I got news for the devil that he, the devil cannot curse what God has blessed. When God puts his hand on you, the devil can't put a finger on you. I hope somebody hear what I'm talking about here tonight. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. There's not a curse in the underworld that demons can curse you with when God has blessed you. And he begins to say, listen, I know that if you curse them, they'll be cursed. He said, you don't understand. I can't curse what God already blessed. The Bible talks about how these curses that seek to invade people's lives, uh, how when people will appropriate the blood of Christ, uh, and I'll talk about that in a second, uh, and they begin uh, to call on the name of Jesus. Uh, there is something about curses, uh, something about the realm of darkness uh, that is broken. How many have ever had that experience where you're, you're lying on your bed, uh, you, you're, you're, you know you're awake, uh, but you can't move your body? Has it, it happened to anybody in here? And, you, and, and the, you, you, it brings all this fear. But, but all of a sudden, you begin to whisper the name Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You can't even talk with inside Jesus. And all of a sudden, that whatever it was that was holding you, it breaks. Did you see the power in the name of Jesus? I tell you what, God will protect you. You don't have to be afraid. They can get a little bit of your hair, but it's not going to work. They can get your picture and burn candle wax on it, but it's not going to work. All the witches in Tucson can gather together. All the warlocks, the hex throwers, and the soothsayers, they can begin to call out and chant your name. They can draw circles around the church, but it's not going to work. I talked to a preacher friend of mine who said that in his city, when he moved in and began to preach the gospel, in the middle of the night, he had, he started to fidget. He gets up out of bed 
he begins to pray at his bedside. When he goes down in the morning, uh, there was a scorpion that had climbed or, or had crawled underneath his door. But when it crawled underneath, it died right there. It could not proceed any further. He then went on to say a few weeks later that a snake came in. And as it came underneath the door, it died right on the inside. Do you see the kind of God that we serve? He said, you'll trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy but it won't touch you. Someone say it can't touch me. You got to believe that tonight, uh, that God will protect you. God will hold you up in his hands. Uh, you are the apple of his eye. He sits on the circle of the earth. He holds time and eternity in his hands. Uh, and I look at the enemy today and I've got to laugh uh, because the devil is a defeated foe. Jesus has won the victory. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah, the bright and morning star. He holds all the power. Can somebody shout amen here tonight? Listen, this lady was actually a pastor's wife who had called me and said to me she, she was tormented. She could not sleep at night. And she, she, she said this woman approached me in church. And this woman told me that she's a witch and that she can tell in the congregation all the witches. And she said, furthermore, this woman was a homosexual, a lesbian. And that she had said to this pastor's wife that she had feelings for her. So it began to torment this pastor's wife's mind as she can't sleep at night. Every night she tries to go to bed. Her husband's out of town preaching. So she calls me. You know, I'm, I'm their pastor. She calls me. And so I, I said, number one, you need to stop talking to her. I said, if she has issues, she can talk to the pastor. Number two, I prayed for her. And when we were done praying, she didn't have that experience ever again. And I began to realize that certain activities, certain words, certain atmospheres open up doors and realms for the, the demonic to come in and curses to come upon people's lives. But through the blood of Christ, we can all overcome. I was thinking about how there are marks in the Bible that mark the people of God to prevent curses. I was thinking about how the Bible says that mark, the mark that God placed upon Cain. Here is Cain. He has done an injustice. He has killed his brother Abel. And he comes to God and he says, listen, God, I know I, 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 I'm on exile now. He said, but when people find me, they're going to kill me. And God placed a mark upon Cain and said, when they find you, they won't kill you. Listen, doesn't that sound a little bit like you and I tonight? We've all done wrong in our lives. We've all sinned. But when we cried out to God for his mercy, and I don't understand all that what that text is talking about. But one thing I do know is that God put a mark on him and said, they can't kill you. When they find you, they can't touch you. See, this is the mark of God. See, the devil has his mark. The Bible talks about the mark of the beast. And if you receive that mark, you'll lose your soul. But the mark of God will protect you. We read about the mark that God commanded Ezekiel to mark those who mourn for all the unrighteousness 
in the city before the plagues and the judgments of God were to fall. And he, we, we, we begin to read about these marks uh, through history. As you read in the Bible, the 144,000, they're sealed. God sealed every one of them before he touched the earth with plagues. We're talking about the mark of God. We're talking about the blood that was on the doorposts and the lintels of the houses of the children of Israel. That when they were in the house, God said, put the blood on the doors. That when the death angel is passing through town, that when he sees the blood, he will pass over. Oh, do you hear what I'm talking about tonight? When the devil comes to your door and sees the blood, he's got to pass over. Oh, he longs to come in. He wants your soul. He wants your children. He wants your health. He wants your wealth. He wants your marriage. But when he sees the blood, he's got to pass over. He cannot tell you tonight without any apologies. The blood then is the blood now. The blood has never lost its power. All it takes is one drop of the blood of Calvary to cleanse you from every sin and to break every curse. The blood of Jesus had never lost its power. It still has enough power to flow to the highest mountain top and reach to the deepest valley and still has enough power to provoke a change in your life and deliver you and set you free. I was thinking about a scripture as I close. How generation curses come upon people. Family curses. Ancestral curses. And in the book of Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse number 2. God's talking to Ezekiel and he says there's a proverb that was used in Israel. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Basically, it's a generation curse. The fathers have sinned, and the children are reaping the consequences. And God begins to forbid the use of this proverb. He says, this proverb will not be used in Israel anymore. In other words, the curse of fathers ancestral curses, generational curses does not have to be your curse today. What happened in your father? What happened in your grandparents got divorced? Your parents got divorced? And you think, maybe I'm going to get divorced so I'm not going to get married. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God said that these curses do not have to be your portion anymore. The sickness that your family experienced, you don't have to experience. The sins that they experienced that chase them and pursue them don't have to pursue you and chase you anymore. And tonight we're going to pray a simple prayer and ask God anything we can identify in our lives, things that are pursuing us, patterns in our life that seem unbreakable. You get a job and you can't even hold the job down. You're always, you get a job, he loses his job. Get a job, he loses his job. Money comes into your pocket and before you know it, it's slipping. By the way, if you're not tithing, then that's why you're losing. That's a curse. It's, you, so you got to tithe. You start tithing, but you still, you don't understand what's happened to your money. 
Yet relationships are fragmented. Everything breaks down. Sickness in your body and you're trying to live for God. You don't know why. Listen, tonight we're going to deal with some business this evening. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. In the presence of God tonight, God has exposed some things 